Hello, and welcome back to Nature's Wonders. I'm your host, Will, and today we got a very special episode for you. Our guest is Claude Smith. He is a hobbyist in all things plants. He specifically works in a more modern style of bonsai. This is going to be a two-part series, this episode talking about modern style bonsai with Claude, and then there will be a second episode talking about a more traditional style bonsai. The audio in this episode is not the best audio that I've had. There were some problems when recording, but this is the best I could do with what I captured. There is still a lot of information, and it is a very, very fun episode. So a special thank you to Claude for recording with me. This podcast is sponsored by Corals Anonymous and Aquatron. Sit back and enjoy. Thank you. How are you doing today? It's been a good day. No ice on the streets. And when you're 84 years old, that's a good sign. Yes, that's that's always a good thing. So can you tell the audience a little bit about who you are and what your hobby is? Well, I would be Claude L. Smith. Up until about six, six months ago, I had been an active hairdresser for 64 years. And... Uh, It was just time for that to come to an end. My wife, Carol Ann, while she was alive, and I unfortunately enjoyed the very same things for the most part. And one of them was plants, and the other one was antique malls. And so when no one says no to the other one, you accumulate a lot of things. We lived outside of town on about an acre and a half, and the entire front yard was pretty much all plants. I would say roughly 500 pots of something or other that we would drag in and out of the greenhouse. And of those things, uh, she enjoyed violets, and I like succulents and cactus, mostly succulents. And there was also an interest in bonsai. That's what we did. We didn't golf or tennis. We drink and dug holes in the ground. Had a wonderful time. So you talked about bonsai. How did you get started in that that little niche section? It uh, was completely by accident. Always was intrigued with the oriental designs of this, that, and the other thing. And would always pick up a bonsai cot, which in the category of not too much interest, but a little bit of interest, the, the true pronunciation is bonsai, like bone, meaning a plant in pot. The other Bonsai is a little bit more aggressive. Having said the other pronunciation all these years, it still sounds strange for me to say bonsai. Back to the original question. I would pick up the pots and the estate sales, and anything that I put in a bonsai pot, I would call a bonsai. We were at Lords and Gardens, and the Nebraska Bonsai Society was there, and we looked at their exhibit, and Carol Ann says, you need to join this group. And I said, I couldn't possibly do that. They're far too serious for me. However, at some point later, we did become members, and I was the president of the club. That's kind of where it developed. And since then, I have a truer appreciation for the the art. However, I'm kind of on the lower end of it, and I like to focus my my bone size on a little bit more mainstream. I would love to have some of the two and three and four and five thousand dollar field collective bone size that some of the members have. You have to be a little bit, well, you have to be a lot more dedicated. 
So what kind of plants uh, did you start with when you actually got serious and learned the true meaning? Well, there is just a wide, wide range. Uh, everything from conifers to junipers to maples. And the, the, it kind of is, there's a couple ways you, you go. I, I went both ways. I have both indoor and outdoor. So often you'll see... At the corner of the street, this wonderful bonsai stand, and they've got all these beautiful little junipers and something of that nature. And the majority of people that purchase those don't realize that they have to be outside and go through the winter freezes and that sort of thing. So I would say probably the majority of those never really get, get too far along. So along with that, there's a subculture called bonsai succulents, and it's not readily recognized by all the bonsai clubs, but our club is a little lenient, and they, they allow me to show those sort of things when we're able to have clubs. And the nice thing about that is the majority of them stay relatively small and enjoy them year-round. Or when you get into your pines and, and junipers and things like that, you, you have, a, in grass anyway, you have a limited time span where you can actually really enjoy it. So I think I've successfully avoided the answer of your question. <laughs> it was a great answer nonetheless. Well, it was an answer. <laughs> <laughs> so when you make your succulents bonsais, are those any different than just a normal juniper or conifer? There, there is, there's a considerable difference. The soil requirements are, are pretty much the same. Well-drained soil one of the mysteries of plants has always been, no matter what club I've been in and what plant they're growing, the question is always, how much do I water? And everyone has a different answer and a different scheme. A lot depends on the type of soil you're familiar with. I would guess that every member in the club has a slightly different soil mixture that they use. Since I'm not always on top of the watering as much as I should be. I, I tend to use a, a mixture that holds a little more moisture than, than the average person would, would use. The succulents in general are a lot more forgiving, and I've done away with more with overwatering than I have with underwatering. The other part of succulents, they're unusual and strange different shapes, and they, the majority of them don't really conform to uh, a true bonsai. Another hobby is five Yorkies, which you've heard in the background. And you may hear a parrot uh, at some point, too, but we probably won't know what it's saying. <laughs> so you talked a lot about the bonsai pots. What makes those different from other pots? Well, about the only answer I can come up with that is is the shape. Uh, you put, you Almost anybody that you would hold up a few pots would easily say, well, that's a bonsai pot. Uh, there are some artistic varieties that uh, have been creeping into the market lately. and uh, So it, it's not quite as rigid as it once was. But uh, they, just, they just have this unique shape, and it can be oval, it can be square, it can be flat, it can be, it can be just any number of things, and, and you just know that's what it is. Mm -hmm. So does the shape of the pot dictate the types of plants you use or the style that you go for? When you're when you're into the to the big time and you're displaying nationally and things like that, and we 
we do have two members of our club that have, have displayed their their plants uh, nationally. Uh, there, there is a definite criteria that uh, color and shape and the texture of the plant and that sort of thing. But there again, it's it's really an individual choice. Uh, there's requirements like uh, plants should be uh, two-thirds or three-thirds or some-thirds of width or length of the pot. I've saved the brain waves for other things that I'm going to need more than what pot I should put this plant in. In my case, it's usually which is big enough to accommodate the plant I've got. Mm -hmm. but, there, but there are rules to follow. Okay. So after you get your pot done and you get your tree, how do you uh, change your just normal tree or succulent into the bonsai that fits the pot and fits the style that you want? Well, it's a matter of choice, but, but the, the way I like to work, and I got the idea more or less from a Heron's bonsai, bonsai shop in England, that he does a lot of uh, YouTube things. And you sort of let the plant tell you where it wants to go. Do some wiring and you can do some churning and shaping this way and that way. But you have a number of basic choices and suggestions as to how you would plant a bonsai. An informal upright or a cascading bonsai, everyone would be familiar with what that is. Or a formal upright would be pretty much formal and pretty much a tree form. The thing is to keep keep the shape to it because most of your bonsai plants, when you're into the maples and the junipers and things like that, uh, they're going to put on a lot of growth during the year. So you're going to need to uh, have some sort of a form in mind. And, and I get a lot of ideas looking through bonsai books and on YouTube and stuff like that. Your plant itself will sort of dictate what it wants to do and where it's going to go. And you can work with it and encourage those things, but that's that's usually how you get the best results rather than trying to do a 180 with something. Mm -hmm. So you talk about wiring. How do you wire a plant? Well, you have wire everything from almost as thin as a thread to the size of a pencil. And... Uh, Depending on the branch that you're working with or the design that you're working with, um, you have the choice of all these various sizes of wire. Uh, I have found with some of the plants uh, where the wire is the wire that you, the strength that you need to get the branch moving uh, is fairly difficult to to move and bend around the branch. So in, in cases like that, I'll take two smaller uh, sizes of wire and do a double wiring so I can get the same amount of strength to bend it. Uh, uh, there's, uh, it kind of goes by feel. You, uh, if you have some plants, you have, if you're doing a really major change of some type, you may have to rewire it every six months. The plant grows that fast. So uh, you have to not wire it too tight or too loose. Is that pretty elusive? That's sort of like how much do you water a plant? How do you wire a plant? Well, you don't wire it too tight or you don't wire it too loose. You wire it just right. So the question is, well, what's just right? Well, whatever it is to take that branch to the angle that you want it for that period of time. So uh, 
I, I have found that using, uh, in some cases, two uh, smaller wires to get the strength of one large one works out well for me. And uh, sometimes with the really heavy junipers and things, they'll they'll use heavy duty wire and they'll wrap. Uh, uh, some, some protection around the branch and, and they really get into a lot of breaking and bending and this, that, and the other thing, but I haven't reached that degree and I probably will. Mm -hmm. So besides wiring the branches, do you go, can you change like the foliage on the branch or the trunk or the roots like that? Well, repotting is something that was always a mystery to me. And so I, I don't repot probably as often as I should. Um, I haven't got, there's, there's a technique that uh, with the ficus and with several other varieties where you completely defoliate the, the plant. And the, prep, the purpose of doing that is when the, the leaves come back in, they come back in at a smaller size. Um, the root pruning uh, with junipers, uh, they're, they're probably one of my favorite outside plants because they're so forgiving. And you can, you can do a lot of root pruning and, and things like that with those. Uh, I do mostly just uh, on the outside, trimming and, and keeping it in somewhat of a form. Uh, if it gets too bushy, then of course you go into the trunk and you take the inside branches off and it, it's it's an interesting technique and thanks to YouTube just about anything that you want to do you can get instruction on how to do it it's, mm -hmm. it's just amazing mm -hmm. so how do you thicken the trunk of a bonsai without like letting it grow for 50 years well the goal is actually, <laughs> yeah, some, some of the, at, at our last show, one of the, the pines that was, uh, I think it was a spruce was displayed, was 250 years old. The thing that you do is it's just constant uh, root pruning and trimming back the branches and it's it's just it's it's a terrible example, but it's just like it just like a hedge. If you don't trim the hedge back, it turns into something you don't want. What's the biggest thing that kills a plant? Well, other than myself, uh, there are some uh, diseases that uh, that can take over. If, if you're watering something too much, you can you can get root rot. Um, Scale is a very nasty little thing that you have to constantly be on the outlook for. Um, that, that can damage the things. Uh, when your plants are outside, uh, you always have squirrels and rabbits and <laughs> things like that to deal with it. And one of our members that uh, had his plants out backside, and the, the birds really liked the moss that grew along the top of his uh, his bones ice and he had to develop a little screen covering to keep that going. I, I would think probably scale is one of the main things that, that gets really to a plant. Uh, you'll get meal bug, which is pretty easily controlled. 
I can't think of the names right at the moment. I have a couple of sprays that I spray myself with pretty regularly inside. And another thing, with the inside plants, you really need air circulation. I have two fans that go nonstop, keeping air circulation going, because the, the still air will really promotes bad stuff. Mm -hmm. So getting away from the bad things, what are, uh, if you're a beginner or someone like getting into bonsais, what type of plants would you suggest? Well, it's, it's, it's pretty easy to get into if you're at the right spot at the right time. Generally, there's not a lot of really bonsai plants for sale. Succulents are even more difficult to come by. Lanahaws does a good job. Uh, Mohals does a good job. Lincoln is excellent. They have really, really good bonsais. Urban trails in Lincoln will, will have some bonsai material from time to time. We have members that uh, will uh, order online. Back when we could, we'd have plant meetings and plant exchanges where we would pick up plants like that. But some of the best starter things I've found are sometimes at Costco. Uh, sometimes uh, Walmart has them. There's a plant called Funkin Tea, which comes in, in pot. It's already nicely formed and shaped, has darling little blooms on it. And with a lot of the things that you buy, they have a real hard surface covering the, the dirt. And that's put there so they can transport them. So I, I like to take and, and break that hard finish off the top so that I can get to the soil, the actual soil, and water it that way. Those would be sources where you would want to start. Mm -hmm. What type of species would you suggest? Well, uh, ficus is always a good start. Uh, as I mentioned, the pumpkin tea is a good start. A lot of people have a good time with jades. Uh, I don't happen to be one of those persons. They're, they're one of the harder ones for me to grow, and everyone else has no trouble with them at all. And there's a number of variety of jades. Uh, there's some that have a very small leaf to them, make a better bonsai than ones with the big thick leaf. Um, in the summertime, uh, you've, I've had flowering quince that I've had success with in bonsais. When you go to the box stores or, or the nurseries or what have you. Many times at the end of the season, you'll go through and they have quite a variety of these odd-looking plants that nobody wants to buy that are just exactly what you want for a bonsai. And I, I have, in my watering quarters now, I have five or six junipers that I purchased two years, two or three years ago. And at that point, they were like $3 a piece. And so I'm hoping in another couple of years, I'll be able to develop them into something that will be kind of interesting. I have used, uh, I've got ball cypress in uh, five-gallon tubs, turned those into bonsai, cut them back way down. Uh, armor maples are a very good bonsai subject. They need to be wintered outdoors as well. Mm -hmm. So what are your top, top three, top three tips to keep a bonsai alive and just top three tips to start out? Okay. Well, th this will sound very strange. Uh, a cheap little water that you can stick in and tell if they're wet and dry. I finally went to that because uh, you look at them and they look wet and they're not. And you look at them and they look dry and they're not. And, and it just saves me a, a whole lot of of aggravation. The top three would be a juniper of some type, and I would go on YouTube and I would type in juniper bonsai, and they will show you all kinds of varieties of what you might find. Then when you go to the nursery, you'll know what, what you're after. Junipers, ficus. I really did like my bald cypress. 
when we had our estate sale, Lords and Gardens bought, bought that one, so I don't have it anymore, and I keep thinking I, I'd like to get another one. Soil, initially when you get them, I don't think you have to worry that much about the soil unless you're going to immediately start repotting. Getting a mixture that, you're, that you know the water content that it's going to hold, and uh, through the winter, I use a, a mild, not recommended, but this is what I do, but I use a mild fertilizer probably at least once a week when I water my plants. And the indoor plants, it's so dry, I'm watering some of them every day. All right, well, then that's perfect. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on today. Well, it, it's, it's, it's enjoyable visiting with someone who, who shares your interest. It, it's fun to, uh, to share your interest. And Nebraska Bonsai Society has a website that you can get on, and, and we have a lot of information there, and there's links where you can go and get more information. And sometimes there's trees for sale there. It would be fun if you, you know, would like to join and be part of us. We, we have Zoom meetings every month since we can't get together, but they're usually pretty informative and interesting. Look us up. Well, that sounds great. I'll have to do that, too. Now, thank you. You're quite welcome. I enjoyed that. Thank you for listening to the end of the episode. I had a really great time recording with Claude. Special thanks to him again. The next episode that I have is going to be very special. And the second part of this episode should be airing sometime within the next two weeks. So thank you. Bye.